Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. think they sing that at the cool churches anymore. (laughs) You're not at a cool church. Just so you know. Let's pray. God, you are God. You're so good. We've sang about you this morning. We've sang to you. We've sang for you. God, you hopefully have been glorified in this place already this morning, or we want to continue that. So invite your Holy Spirit in this moment now. Come to teach us something from your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Welcome to Hill City Church. If you're a regular here, um, you, you know how we do this. We've got to remind you every week. We don't pass buckets or plates or anything like that. We just give, and we have three ways to do it. There they are on the screen. Um, you get to pick one. If you don't like any of those, actually, just pick one of those. And then and continue worshiping through your giving. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see everybody this morning. We, we have been in the book of Luke all year. And then for July, what, what happens, we stepped out of Luke just to do a, a quick series on the attributes of God. And this is our third week in the attributes of God. Now, the attributes, when we say that, what we're talking about are qualities that belong to a person. We, by way of review, if, you, if you've been here for the last few weeks, we're talking about the characteristics of God, the features that uniquely apply to God. And if you remember, there's a statement that's been mentioned a couple times, and it is that what we believe and or think about God is the most important thing about us. What you believe about God, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. We talked about how some of God's attributes are communicable and some are incommunicable, meaning communicable meaning that we can, in a small, finite way, imperfectly possess those attributes, those are, those are attributes we should strive for. And then there are incommunicable ones, and those are the attributes that belong to God and God alone. They will never belong to us. So week one, we did holiness, and that would be a communicable attribute, where we should strive in an imperfect way for holiness. And then last week, Royce Talk to us about that God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. We will always have needs. God will never have needs. And all these attributes, we know that God is good, that God made everything, and God is in control of everything. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God is in control of everything. When we speak of this, the word that we use is sovereign. Or sovereignty. Now, just up front, I want to tell you this. Likely, today, based, on what, based off of what we read out of Scripture, 
I'm not going to be sending you home with Bible verses that are going to go well, like on the side of your coffee cup. When we talk about God's sovereignty, those aren't the ones that exactly sit well with us, especially in our Western thinking. But I do believe this. I believe that today, by the end of the day, that we can find what we have all been truly looking for our whole lives. So I just want you to stay with me. When we talk about sovereignty, we're talking about being in control of everything. God's sovereignty. This is his absolute right. His absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure to, with, and for his creation. One more time. God's sovereignty. His absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure to, with, and for his creation. We go to a lot of places in the Word of God to see how this is written. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. You can read in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, it says this, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. Like put that on your coffee cup at work tomorrow. <laughs> right on the front. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? God is in control of everything. We're going to look at kind of four areas today, and we'll just kind of run through these quickly. This could be just a sermon series in and of itself, but God is in control of everything. He's in control of creation. He's in control of human life and living. He is in control of salvation, and he is in control of suffering. So let's start with just creation. He is the creator of all things. Now, Royce read this last week, but I want to go back there. Go back to Acts. There are a lot of places we go. We're just going to go to this passage because we, we saw it last week. This is Paul teaching. Here's what he said starting in verse 24 of chapter 17 of the book of Acts. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. See, because God created everything, he is sovereign, he is over it, it is his, he owns it. And all throughout the Bible we see this theme of his creation obeying him. Everything does what he tells it to do. So in the Old Testament, we see like a sea part. We see a river part. In the Old Testament, we see tiny bugs, little bitty tiny bugs, obey him. Go where he tells them to go. We see frogs obey him. We saw time stand still. This theme continued on in the New Testament. You look at the life of Jesus, what happened? Demons obeyed him. 
diseases obeyed him. The stinking weather obeyed him. Peace be still. Death obeyed him. Because God is in control of everything. He is sovereign over his creation. He always has been and he always will be. God is sovereign over his creation. He's also sovereign over human life. It makes verses like Proverbs 16 make a little bit of sense. The heart of man plans his way. Anybody plan to come to church today? Yes. But it's the Lord who establishes his steps. We make plans, but it's God who establishes his steps. God is sovereign over human life. Let me ask this question. They're rhetorical, but they must be asked. Did you choose, did you choose to whom you were born? Did you choose the family that you were born into? Where you would be born? Of course not. God did. And for some of you, this is like an, an awesome thing, and for some of you, it isn't. So I, just for example, like some of you were born into a phenomenal situation. I think of my wife, of Jenny. She was just born into an, an awesome family with an awesome father and mother who were very loving, had an awesome relationship to, to, to look at and to model. Phenomenal situation to be born into. She didn't pick that. And some of you have no clue about what I just described. Like, that's a myth to you. That's like this faint rumor of a family that could actually be loving and together and, and parents who model love and what a, what a biblical marriage should look like. That, that's just not even real to you. But God did not mess up. Side note. I hope that's the testimony for my kids, the same testimony that my wife has of her parents. And for all the parents in the room, that's what you want your kids' testimony to be, isn't it? To be able to, they can one day say, man, it was, it was just pretty awesome to watch my mom and dad. And it continues to be awesome to watch my mom and dad and how they love each other and how it looks like Jesus. That's not the case for all of us. Some of us may have been born into families where all you ever know is brokenness and divorce and malice and misery. I don't have an answer for why, but based off of the Bible, here's what I know. No matter the situation, you and I do not get to look at God and tell him that he messed up. Remember Psalms 115.3, he does all that he pleases. He is sovereign over human life. So yes, God does all that he pleases, but especially the believers in the room, like we take heart, and there are areas and places where we can take heart. Specifically, in Romans chapter 8, We've heard it this morning already, but I want to read it again. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This might be the maybe only coffee cup verse that we might get today, okay? And we know that all, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good 
for those who are called according to his purpose. So that bad situation or that bad season that you're in, maybe I, I know there, there are too many people in this room. I know right now there's somebody, there are people in here. It's like, man, I don't understand what's going on, but it's life is kicking me like right below the belly button, day in, day out. And what I can tell you is that God will use that. I believe that God will use that. And maybe the only thing you can do right now is just the trust that he's sovereign over human life. God is sovereign over human life. You. You, 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 all of you. I wish I could go to each of you individually. You, 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 all of you. You are here at Hill City Church in a hotel at our gathering because God divinely has you here. Like not by accident, like you're here because he is sovereign over you being in this room right now. Now here's what I believe. I believe, I believe we have a couple options of what will happen and why God has you here in this place. I believe he has you here, either one, to soften you, to hear the truth of his word, to hear the gospel, to see the gospel rehearsed. I believe he has you here to soften you and then to draw you to himself. Because that's what he does. Or it could be that you're here to have your heart further hardened by the things of the Lord. Either way, you're here. And you're here because God has you here. And either way, you will stand before God with no excuse. And that doesn't sit well with us. Like we are a society that is in love with our rights and our power and our liberty and our control. Are we not? Like that is what we are, our thinking is rooted in that. So for me to tell you that God has you here divinely and that a couple things that could happen, whether it's a soft heart or a hard heart, and in the same breath tell you either way, you're going to be without excuse, does not sit well with us. But it doesn't make it untrue. God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over his creation. He's sovereign over human life. He is sovereign over salvation. The age-old question, maybe, maybe this is like foreign to you. And for some of you, it's like, man, I love sitting, I love sitting at coffee shops having this talk, right? And some of you are like, just, I'm, I'm neither of those. But this age-old question, well, did God choose us or did we choose God, right? Let's go to Hebrews Coffee and talk about that one. Did that reek of cynicism, what I just did right there? Okay, just, I was trying. God is sovereign over salvation. So what's, what's interesting, we're going to have a lot of verses coming from the stage. I'm going to read them 
I'm going to read them from the screen because we see verses like this, right? And it's like, wait a minute, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, man, okay, so, so I got to do something there. Then we can go to like Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It says, and calling to the crowd, and calling the crowd to him, his disciples, and he said to them, and call, let, me, let, me, let me try it one more time. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Oh, there's another verse. Like I, seems like i got to do something. Okay, Romans 10, 9, 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses, and is saved. There's, enough, like, there's something I got to do, okay? And then we go back to like Acts. Go back to the passage in Acts chapter 17 where God just says he doesn't need anything or Paul says that God doesn't need anything. He gives all to mankind life and breath and everything. But then look at verse 26 and 27. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So those were determined. You didn't pick where you were born, who you would be born to. But, but look at 27. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Okay, that seems like, that seems like I, I look for God. But God's sovereign over salvation. So then we go to this other group, or other, other, other uh, group of passages that we're going to read. 1 Peter 2, 19, but you are a, say that word with me, chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then we go to Ephesians 1, 4, verse 5. Even as he, say it again chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Okay, let's go on to John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And then John 15, 16. We can do this all day, but we'll stop after this one. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So like, These verses seem contradictory. But we know... The Word of God does not contradict itself. Let me say it again. The Word of God does not contradict itself. Believe that this morning. So are we free to choose? Are we free to choose or is God sovereign over our choices? And all I can tell you this morning is yes. Both. Maybe, maybe it's not to be fully understood this side of heaven. I'll read a quote to you. There's a book called Apologetics, A Justification of Christian Belief. 
guy by the name of John Frame wrote this. I just, I'm just going to read it to you, let it sit, and then, and then, we'll, then we'll talk some more. Indeed, so he says, indeed, it is God's sovereignty that grants human responsibility, that gives freedom and significance to human choices and actions, that ordains an important human role within God's plan for history. So yes. So here's what I, this is what Brad can tell you that I believe I understand this morning. You and I will give an account for our lives. The Bible says that. You and I will give an account to the creator of the world for our lives and for our choices and for the things we did. We'll give an account for that. That's, that seems very clear in scripture. You can read in Romans chapter 14. But I also believe I understand this. When it comes to your heart, when it comes to my heart, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to my salvation, what makes you a Christian, what makes me a Christian is that God came to you and that God came to me. He is sovereign. And salvation language is not this. Man, I'm so glad that I, bop, 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 bop. That's not salvation language. Salvation language is, I am so glad that Jesus. One picture, there's a picture I think I can paint maybe, and then, and then we'll move on. There's a picture I think might work, and it kind of goes with some of those verses that we were reading, or, or all of them, however you want to do this, right? But imagine our passing from death to life. I'm talking to Christians in the room. Like when, when, when the Lord calls us, removes the blinders from our eyes, we pass from death to life. Now let's imagine that as like a doorway, okay? This moment of salvation, new birth, let's imagine that as a doorway. And above the doorway, we see Romans 10, 13. We see Romans 10, 9. And all those verses that I read can maybe be above this doorway that's like, man, that looks like there's a, that I got to do something here. So we confess with our mouth and we believe with our heart, right? And, and, and like the Lord removes blinders and that happens and we go and we pass through this doorway, but then we turn around and look at the doorway. Above the doorway, you see, hey, I chose you. You see, hey, before I ever created this world, I made it that you were going to be here through adoption. Here's what I got for you. God is sovereign over salvation. He's sovereign over creation. He's sovereign over human life. He's sovereign over salvation. He's sovereign over suffering. Another question that gets asked. Man, how could God be good if this? How could God be good if this happened? How could God be in control and this happen? My question isn't going anywhere, and it didn't just pop up in the last 50 years.
so Jenny and I, a lot of you know, we, we adopted uh, more than one kid, but, but we set out to adopt specifically from Africa. And many of you know this story because you, you, know, you were with us in this time. But, so we, we were paired. We did all the paperwork, and then we were paired with a set of twins, right? Now, obviously, you guys know that didn't happen. Imagine five, or imagine just one more load thrown around this place, okay? So God is sovereign. But we were paired with twins, and they were in this little village in the middle of nowhere Congo. I mean, just miles away from anything, right? Um, we had their pictures, like it, it was go time. And the thing's very common in Africa. It doesn't make any sense to us how this could even happen. A thing called dysentery. In this orphanage were 50 kids. 33 of those kids got dysentery. And I'm not trying to sound gross or, or, or sickening or like a junior high kid, but they, they pooped themselves to death. 33 out of 50 kids. And two of the 33 were the twins that we believe were going to be Lotzes. Well, man, if God, was, if God was on his throne, like if he's good, how? and you can go there. We were tempted to go there. But let's just step back. Now that, now that we have a little bit more of a scope, because in that moment we didn't have scope, we didn't have the scope that God had. But in that moment, raise your hand if you know my daughter Clementine. Here's the deal. I don't know that she's been a blessing to you, but one day... <laughs> Like you, we know Clementine. God had a plan for Clementine. Furthermore, how prideful would it be? Okay, let's just take the two little twin babies, right? Listen, my theology, I believe they are in the arms of Jesus. Okay, listen. Okay, grow up with Brad Lotz as your dad, arms of Jesus. Kind of funny, but who'd that work out for best? God is good. I don't know why a duck boat in Branson sinks in 80 foot of water. I will never have the answer to that. Front page of the newsletter is the mother or the family member that lived lost nine family members. She lived, and her question is, why did she live? I don't have an answer for that lady. In the middle of her heartbreak, I've prayed for that lady. And I take solace in this. God is good, God is sovereign, 
over everything. And maybe as we read, read in John 9 that we can look at a situation like that and say, Lord, may the works of God be put on display through it. That's all we have. But we don't get to step back and tell God that he messed up. He's sovereign over suffering. See, it's kind of been a joy in ministry as, as I've been doing this, you know, starting way back with college students, and so many of those college students aren't college students anymore. They're parents, and they're in this room. And to be able to sit and even watch how many of you became parents. Like, I saw the suffering. I saw the suffering through miscarriages. I saw the suffering through just wanting to be a mom and wanting to be a dad and the Lord not answering those prayers. And, and God was in control of that. And I've seen so many of you who hurt through that. You became closer in your marriages through that. And now you've got little baby or babies back there learning that God is in control of everything. I know there are parents who are in that season of suffering right now. And the only thing I can tell you is, is keep praying, keep trying. But God is sovereign. So a couple, couple other areas I want to talk to you about where, God, where, where we have to just look at it and go, you know what, Lord, you're sovereign. We have some single parents in the room. And there are single parents that will be in here in this room, wherever our rooms are in this city. They're going to be in this room. And they're welcome in this room, and they're always going to be welcome in this room. And some of them had a baby without being married. Now, we can go to the Word of God, right? We can go. We know He has a plan. We know He has a way. A best way. But I can just tell you horror stories of what has happened in churches in situations like that. <laughs> Whether it be a young lady or a young man, and that happened to, and the church did not handle it correctly in love. God is sovereign over everything. I don't like the term accidents when we're talking about babies being born. That, that's, that's a myth. It's not an accident. Here's another one. We have people in here every week who have been through a divorce. That's the, like the, the D, like that's the scarlet letter in a lot of churches. Okay, now listen, we're going to preach boldly from this stage that God hates divorce. We're going to preach boldly from this stage a biblical view of marriage and how things should be handled within a, a marriage. But, but listen to me. 
That's not a scarlet letter. And you don't get sidelined because you've been divorced. You don't get to not do ministry or be told you're unfit for ministry because you've been divorced. There's pain in that. And God can redeem that. And God can use that. And he can use you. God is sovereign. And he's on his throne. And he always will be. And the last little area I want to tell you about God's sovereignty is, just, just, just so you know, He's, he's sovereign over the ordinary, mundane boredom of life. Some of you are uneasy. You're discontent because it's like not wild enough. It's not adventurous enough. God is sovereign over that. And the best thing that we can do this morning, I believe, is just learn to rest in God's sovereignty. We can look at it, right? We can dissect it. And then some of us can just get super passive. Well, God's going to do what he wants. I'm just going to go do whatever I want. He's controlling it. Like we get super passive with it. And some of us get, may, may get paralyzed by God's sovereignty, right? It's like, I know, wait a minute. And, and like, there was, Daniel will tell you this story. There was a, a kid we had in our college ministry one time. Like he labored over where to go to eat after church. Like, okay, Chili's, McAllister's, Lord, I got to hit my knees and just pray about this. Like you, he, was, he became paralyzed. Like, dude, just go get a burger. God is sovereign. He always will be. And it's for his glory. And it's for our joy. And we can rest in that. And this takes us to the cross. I believe this takes us to the cross. Can you imagine the disciples? Imagine the disciples like day after crucifixion. What just happened? How could God be on I've followed this guy for three years. How, how could God let this happen? Right? Can you put yourself in their shoes? Like why did God do that? How did he allow this? Had they known, had they known, of course they got to know three days later, but they didn't know that thousands of years later there are going to be 200 people in a hotel room lifting their lives and their worship to him. Turn with me. I want to look at another verse because this is going to be huge. This is huge when we look at God's sovereignty. Deuteronomy chapter 7. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. Here we go, verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples. <laughs> okay? 
Here's what, here's what I believe. I believe out of this same vein. I believe out of the, this is the Old Testament. I believe out of this same heart and same vein that God chose us, believers in the room. God is sovereign, which this brings us to another attribute, which is God's love. He is love. He is loving. God loves you. And here's why God loves you. This is huge. Here's why God loves you. Because he loves you. Like, I, lo- I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And I love Jesus because the Bible tells me why I love Jesus. I love Jesus because Jesus first loved me. He pursued me. He caught me. He made me see him. But why did he do that? He did that because he loved me. But why does he love me? Because he loves me. See, we think there has to be a reason. There's got to be a reason he loves me. No, he loves me because he loves me. And go back to what I said at the beginning. I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you're single. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're young. This is the love that we look for our whole lives. Like, don't raise your hand, because I know there will be way too many hands for my comfort, okay? How many of you watch The Bachelorette? Don't even. Okay, it's on in my house all the time. Would you listen to this ditzy little girl talk about why she loves these meathead dudes and all these stupid reasons of why she's in love with three of them at the same time, by the way. Like, think of your relationships. Think of the why it is that people say they love you. Well, he's funny. She's funny. He's fun to be around. He's smart. He's good looking. Oh, he's influential. He has a position. She's beautiful. She's Okay, here's what I what happens when you're not those things? What happens when you're not those things? Gospel love is this. I love you because I love you. Sovereign love is this. I love you. Because I love you. God knew exactly what he was doing when he sent his son. And when he pursues you, when he pursued you or when he pursues you, he doesn't like, he's not like looking down, right? Like, oh, there's a funny, talented one, yes. Oh, there's a smart, powerful one. Lock him up. Let's get it. Close that deal. God is sovereign over all. He loves us because he loves us. He's sovereign over creation. He's sovereign over human life. He's sovereign over salvation. He's sovereign over suffering. And because this is true, he's our only hope. 
It's not like if you believe, listen, this, what I'm telling you is true. Because it is true, it's our only hope. And here's what I know. There's coming a day, right? That's a good preacher phrase. There's coming a day. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, the pain of creation will be no more. The pain of human life will be no more. The pain of suffering will forever end. It's not that time yet. But God is sovereign. No pain, no tears, no struggle. But until then, we rest. We rest in that truth that God is in control of everything. Just say it with me. God is in control of everything.